Looks like some kind of insect. It's a bee. Bee? A bee? Slow down now. What plane and what's dangerous? Bees, Scotty. Killer bees. Do you have any idea what those bees can do? Welcome to Killeries. This is not a Wu-Tang podcast. No, this is a podcast where we profile B-movie and genre film icons. My name is Garrett Smith. My name is Tori Potenza. We can be found everywhere on the internet at Killer BS Podcast, Killer Bees Podcast, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and at gmail.com. We're a part of the moviejohn.com podcast network. Check them out at moviejohn.com. That's J-A-W-N, the Philadelphia John. Our artwork is by Alex Schneider. Our music is by Christine Rayburn and her partner, Pat. And today, we are beginning another two-part series on a guy with a, like, very long career, which yeah, is why we got to go two parts. Uh, Keith David. Keith David. Big favorite around this house. Yes. Excited to talk about Keith. Keith. So good. Um, yep. But I suppose we should catch up on what kind of stuff we've been watching yeah. since we last spoke. Actually, I suppose we might as well announce, right, that um, because this is the beginning of a two-part series, mm-hmm. that this will serve as the like two-part finale to season one yes. of Killer Bees. Yes, so we have decided to uh, break this up into seasons yeah. uh, to make it a little bit easier on us, just because we watch a lot of movies for this and do a fair bit of research, so it actually like is a little time-consuming, uh, especially when we are releasing these weekly, so uh, we want to backlog some episodes, and we'll try to figure out some, like, you know, other stuff to, you know, have on social media and maybe like, I don't know, maybe do some specials here and there or something to like fill some of that time. But yes. we'll see. Yeah. We're basically going to take the rest of the summer to prepare the next yeah. season. Yes. Uh, and then we'll be back in the fall. Um, but you'll have another Keith David episode before you, uh, before that happens. Yes. Um, I just wanted to make sure we told the audience. Yeah. That, no, uh, that's good. We'll, we'll be away for, you know, maybe like a month or something like yeah. that while we organize the next season. Um, so why don't we take a look at what we've been watching mm-hmm. since we last recorded? Because I think that we've actually watched like quite a bit of interesting stuff. Well, um, I have two things that oh, I can mention because me. Garrett was away because he was hanging out with friends. And so I had the house to myself. And so I had a long list of movies that I wanted to watch, but two of them that I watched, which were like really excellent. And I think they were the first two I watched. Uh, I watched Blood Diner. Uh, which, oh man, yeah, I really want to see this movie. Yeah, now both of these movies I now have to rewatch anyway because I was like, oh fuck, Garrett's gonna love these. <laughs> uh, so Blood Diner was directed by Jackie Kong, so it's a female directed horror movie. Okay, uh, and it, I guess, like the story is that it was like supposed to be a sequel to Blood Feast, uh, like the Herschel Gordon Lewis movie. Yes, uh, okay, and like kind of becomes instead like. A, a remake of that. Oh, that's very interesting. Yes. So it's got like a really crazy story about these like cannibal brothers that are trying to bring back an Egyptian goddess. I was going to ask, does it yes. have to do with Egyptian mythology yes. that is not actually Egyptian and makes no sense? Uh, wholeheartedly. Yes. And does have a very... Uh, uh, like his tone uh, as well, like in the movie. It's like very 
campy and cheesy, schlocky. but gory and schlocky. And I'm gonna sell tickets just yeah, on some blood, guts, and boobs there's, like, kind of thing. Such ridiculous, like you know, dialogue. People, there's like for some reason, like just in the middle of conversations, people get punched a lot. Like I don't know why they say something and then someone else just punches them in the face. So I was like, why is this a thing that's happening? In okay, this, movie? this sounds amazing. It's uh, ridiculous. We need to watch it. Uh, you're gonna love it. Uh, my my buddy that uh, runs Farsighted Blog will be delighted to have a plug. I did a whole series on Herschel Gordon Lewis movies yes. a couple years ago for um, FarsightedBlog.com. I'm sure that stuff is all still up there. Blood Feast is a weird movie, so I would be very interested to see a sort of like loose remake of yeah. that because that's Blood Diner's 80s, 80s, yeah. and so it's also got like 80s gore and yeah, yeah. practical yeah, that's, effects. Okay, yeah, because and... yeah, Russell Gordon Lewis is making movies in like the 60s, so yeah. um, you know, two decades before that. That's a, yeah, okay, very interesting. Yes, yeah, super fun. Uh, and then the other one, which we also have to rewatch, which I was just talking to you about, is The Lair of the White Worm, uh, which is a Ken Russell film. Yes, our beloved Ken Russell, beloved Ken who Russell. we've talked about a few times on the show. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I mean, we kind of fell in love with him this year, but uh, this is uh, from 1988, and it's got like a young Peter Capaldi and Hugh Grant, uh, and... Amanda Donahue, Don- Donahue, I think her name is. Uh, she's like the lead in it, and she plays Lady Sylvia Marsh. So she mm. becomes this like snake person that like eats people it's and sacrifices like them to a god. Thing, yeah, right? yeah. Okay. Uh, she's amazing in it. All right. It's really weird, and it's got a lot of the Ken Russell, like, just insane imagery. Um, lots of, like, weird religious shit. I guess it's an adaptation of a Bram Stoker story, which oh. is really weird, too. Yeah. Uh, super fun. Uh, so, yes, we have to rewatch both of these things so I'm you can see them. into both of these things. They both sound great. Um, I, I don't think we need to go through our whole Viva Video rental list, but oh, there's but one in particular yeah. that we definitely need to talk about because it was the John Saxon movie oh, that... Yes. We had so um, Viva Video. Unfortunately, uh, they've announced it, so we can talk about it. Yeah. Is closing their doors at the yes. end of August. Um, thanks if you're to not local, capitalist bullshit. Yeah, if you're not local, Viva Video is in Ardmore, PA, uh, and it is a video rental store. And our friend works there, and a group of amazing humans work there. Yeah. And it's not just like a video rental store like Blockbuster, where you could have gotten like anything like essentially like contemporary or like new release kind of stuff. Like they have a catalog that is wild yeah, like the it stuff is. Like we 6, find titles deep or something I yeah it's a and lot it's of stuff. stuff that's like not available on streaming anywhere yeah. impossible to find shit that like we can get at viva video and they are closing to be replaced with uh, another fucking brewery. fucking brewery even though there's already one like literally yeah. almost next door i'm so angry about yeah, it uh so yeah they're closing but we rented a bunch of stuff from them bunch of stuff including a movie that we promised we were gonna get back to yes. talk about so i wanted to circle back to it we yes. we uh thanks to dan santelli at viva video he got his hands on zombie death house yes. which is the movie that john saxon directed uh so a movie we talked about 20 episodes ago now basically um and uh you know unfortunately i don't think either of us liked this movie very much no. um, but i am like <laughs> delighted to have seen it yes. um i believe we talked on the episode that saxon was not really pleased with how this movie turned out mm-hmm. i think we would both probably agree that it seems to have i don't know gotten away from him somewhere yeah. along the way 
Yeah, I mean, just given the fact, like, we talked a lot about how he's kind of interested in, like, really exploring the, like, psychology of people and things, and I think this was supposed to actually be more about, like, Vietnam than it is, and I think all of that, like, just kind of got away, and it became this, like, weird schlocky thing. Yeah, I mean, I definitely felt like it had, to me, it read as, like, Saxon wanting to kind of do a Romero movie inside yeah. of Carpenter's Assault on Precinct 13, right? Yeah. It's like he seems to be trying to nod to these two big genre filmmakers mm-hmm. of the time. But uh, whatever he's doing to try and mix those things up is like yeah. n- not really where I don't think he's like succeeding at either of those mm-hmm. things really, you know? Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean this was a bit of a disappointment I would say just cuz we were like we spent so much time like tracking this down. Yeah. Um, but there's some wild stuff in it. There, yeah, there's, there's some good effect sequences some in it and stuff. Interesting ideas yeah. like yeah, I mean there's there's aspects of it that are worth watching and I'm glad that we did. Yeah. Uh but yeah, it wasn't not the best. But I had to circle back and report yes, on it. Yes, of course. Um we also got to see a bunch of cool stuff because of this rental trip. I will just name drop it all quickly and I think we'll probably both yeah. mostly agree on it like Lady Terminator, we finally got to see and kicked ass. Yeah. Um, everybody refers to this as one of the ultimate face melters. That yeah. is absolutely true. One of the best things. Uh, yeah, highly recommend seeking that movie out. Uh, we watched The Kiss of Death, which was pretty interesting, I thought, mm-hmm. and I think um, fits into one of your like larger projects in an interesting way. Yep. Um, that's like a Shaw Brothers um, rape revenge movie. Um, Someone Behind the Door was like my big discovery. This is a mm-hmm. movie that stars... Charles Bronson and Anthony Perkins together. Yeah. So I think probably we will eventually cover this movie on the show at mm-hmm. some point. I really liked this movie. Um, we like kind of accidentally rented this movie almost, and I just thought it was like really awesome. Um, we also rented Ricky O, the story of Ricky, which is another quote unquote ultimate face melter. I liked this movie. I didn't like it as much as people kind of like told mm-hmm. me I would, I think, but but I thought it was cool. Yeah. It's pretty ridiculous and over the top. Uh, Latitude Zero, which is a hard-to-find uh, Ishiro Honda movie. He's who directed the original Godzilla. I've been trying to track it down for a while. So, again, another example of like what Vivo was able to do for us. Mm-hmm. I'm just like babbling really quick <clears throat> through all of these right now. Um, I really liked Latitude Zero. I thought it was awesome. I think if you're like into Honda movies, yeah. it's uh, very worth seeking out. And I think that covers all of the stuff it that does. I rented from them. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, we've watched a bunch of other stuff actually that we could talk about, but I don't yeah, think we need to. Yeah, we've watched so many things. Yeah. Uh, there is one thing I do want to bring up just because we talked about her um, on our last episode. Um, after we did our episode on Daria Nicolati, yeah. uh, I started reading uh, Women Make Horror, which is this really great book that's all essays about like female made horror films, directed, produced. Uh, uh, written like all of this stuff um, it's edited by Allison Pierce who's really amazing and has a lot of awesome contributors uh, but there is one that is about Daria Nicolotti it's called The Secret Beyond the Door Daria Nicolotti and Suspiria's Multiple Authorship by Martha Shearer um, and it was really amazing it talks a lot about her just like how her role as a writer was downplayed mm-hmm. um, a mm-hmm. lot, e- even by Dario. Like yeah, yeah. it seems like he was kind of like a dick about it. Um, and this kind of is like, okay, well, if we're saying that like she is like the one of the authors of it, then and we read this as like a 
female horror movie, like, this is how we can, like, read a lot of the stuff that happens in Suspiria. So it, like, actually, like, recontextualizes certain things from a female perspective, which is really interesting. Um, interesting. So it's very good. And uh, I just wanted to bring it up because we we talked about Daria Nicolotti and I picked this book up and was like, oh, shit, like, I should have read this before, but I'm, yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, that, that book is uh, Women in, Women Make Horror, Women right? Make That's Horror. That's what it's called? Yeah. That's, okay, cool. Who, who's, tell me the author again. Uh, so it's a collection of essays by different people, uh-huh. uh, but it's uh, edited by Allison Pierce, who's cool. really awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. I just wanted to give the opportunity to plug those yeah. things one more time. Um, you want to dive right into Keith here? Let's, let's dive. All right. Uh, yeah, so Keith David, who has... 333 acting credits. And fucking counting. If you go to his IMDb right now, he's got like 15 projects in pre-production. It's wild. And so like a lot of it is TV. Yes. Because Keith David is like a major voice actor. And so he does a lot of like animated stuff. Um, I think, um, you know, probably people listening to this that are Tori and I's age. uh, If you're not familiar, you're probably familiar with this cartoon. The big thing, I mean, he's in tons of stuff. If you watch DC stuff, he put, but like, like he was the voice of Spawn on like the um, mm-hmm. the cartoon from HBO, uh, and the big thing to me is Gargoyles. Yeah. Um, you know the Saturday morning cartoon Gargoyles. Yeah. Um, he was a voice on, so he has like a huge career yes. in cartoons. And I just draw. I'll like just run through some of them that yeah. he's in because he does a lot of interesting TV. Uh, that's been a part of my childhood and even life right now, yeah, uh, yeah. which I didn't really know. Oh sure, yes, yes. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean he's amazing and he has this incredible voice uh but also he's an incredible screen presence that's like at least from what we know has never really got to be a lead he's always kind of been a supporting side character which is wild because he is so fucking good in everything we see him and even when he has a scene he's so good yeah like it's possible tori and i you know didn't pick the right movies here or whatever and i definitely think there are some we didn't get to watch that we would have liked to but we did actually legitimately look for and try to find like the movie that stars Keith David, and yeah. I couldn't really find one. Yeah. He co-stars in a couple of movies, yeah. um, but mostly is a co-star, if not kind of a you know a one or mm-hmm. two scene, you know, uh, uh, character player. Yeah, um, and is great at that. Like he is so good as a well, mm-hmm. we'll talk about it. He's so good as a utility yes. player, but yeah, it's um you know. I would love to have seen the uh, the Keith da- the movie that stars Keith David, Me too. you know. Um, so yeah, for this episode, we're going to go through his career starting in 1979 uh, through the 90s, and we'll pick up the rest of the career uh, in our in our second episode. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, I have a quote uh, that I found that I really liked uh, to start off with from him that says the cemetery is filled with people who let other people define who they are both in the entertainment business and beyond i'd like to say it's especially true in the entertainment business but the deeper truth is that if you do not develop a strong sense of who you are then you become a leaf to every wind that blows it's easy to get lost it happens to the best of us even when you do have a sense of yourself that is some deep Profound, and powerful shit. Beautiful stuff. Uh, yeah. Literally things I have been thinking about recently. That's pretty oh, wow. interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I watched a lot of interview footage with him, and uh, I'm very excited to talk about him because he seems like a genuinely like brilliant person. Yes, he's uh, fascinating. Yeah. 
Uh, it's also one of the things I saw too, like when you like when you know his voice, which like you've definitely heard his voice and stuff before. Oh yeah. Like uh, something, someone compared him to like Orson Welles, with which like yeah. makes a lot of sense when I think about it. Where it's just this like very deep, iconic like voice that you are like, yes, I know that immediately. He even does a lot of like. He's just the voice of the computer on yeah. this or that because mm-hmm. he's just got such a perfect voice for That's great. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Keith David was born June 4th, 1956 in Harlem, New York. Um, Keith David is a classically trained actor, uh, born and raised in New York by his parents, uh, Lester and Dolores. Keith became interested in the arts at a very young age. Um, after he appeared in his school's production of The Wizard of Oz, he knew that's what he wanted to do. Cool. Um, he enrolled in New York's High School of Performing Arts and continued his studies at the Juilliard School. Um, after graduation, he was immediately hired by Joseph Pat as an understudy for the role of Tellus Aphidius in William Shakespeare's Coriolanus. Uh, Coriolanus? Yeah. Man, I don't know. I, all I can see when I look at that word is Coriolanus. <laughs> I'm sure that's what it is. Um, his work with Mr. Papp and the New York Shakespeare Festival launched his career. Um, and his first role uh, is in 1979. Uh, it is a film called Disco Godfather. He is a club patron in it. And this is a film that stars Rudy Ray Moore, who is Dolomite. Yes. Uh, it's probably like the the thing that people most know Rudy Ray Moore from. Dolomite is a really fun movie that people yeah. should see. And if you don't know anything about it, a fun way to get into it is Eddie Murphy recently started in a movie called My Name is Dolomite, yeah. um, which is about Rudy Ray Moore. And Rudy Ray Moore good. was a fascinating character. That's a really good movie. Yeah. I agree. Um, yeah. And Disco Godfather is one of his, you know, he was like a yep. black exploitation star. So it's really cool that he, you know, his Started kind of early there. work yeah. is yeah, a background player in, in a big black exploitation movie. That's yeah. really cool. And it's about an ex-cop called back into action to stop an Angel Dust producer. That which sounds is like a Rudy so, Ray Moore movie yep. to me. Uh, and then we get to his career in the 80s. Um, so for TV, he was on Mr. Rogers. He played the handyman. That is adorable and amazing. And I can't <laughs> believe I don't remember. That. Like, I've seen I so know. much Mr. Rogers. I'm sure that I saw those. I'm sure. Know? Like, yeah. that's, I assume that was a recurring character of some kind. Yeah. I w- yeah, because there were a bunch of those characters right? that yeah. just, like, popped in to say right. hi. And yeah. I, yeah, I should have looked that one up when I was yeah, looking yeah. up clips and stuff earlier. Um. In 1980, he did a TV movie that was uh, The Pirates of Penzance with Kevin Kline. Oh, that's interesting. And then in 1982, he is in John Carpenter's The Thing. Literally one of probably the like top five movies in this house. Like I think yeah. if you and I were to both make a list of our favorite our favorite movies like separate from each other, yeah. we weren't allowed to cheat and look at each other's lists. I think The Thing would probably end yeah. up like top five on both of our this lists. This is like one of my favorite movies ever. The, I always credit this movie as kind of like the movie that got me into horror me and too. genre movies as an adult. Yeah. This and um, Reanimator are like the two that was like, oh shit, like yeah. horror is a lot of things I didn't realize. Yes, and, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, and this is, to me, this is like iconic Keith David. Yep. And it is like essentially his first big role. It like, is like literally his first movie. Yeah. It's his first like credited role. Yep. And it's incredible. He, I mean, it's like when I think of that movie, it's got such an, a cast of characters, uh, but I mainly think of like him and uh, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, yeah, absolutely, because uh, they, you know, they're the two that that are there at the end of things. Yeah, and... I I watched a great interview with um, Keith David today. I believe it's a special feature from They Live, which we'll get. Oh, cool. We'll talk about in a bit. 
I think I watched like a special feature from the Shout Factory DVD or something. Mm. And um, it was a really good interview with Keith David. He talks about this movie. He talks about he had basically spent five years with an agent trying to get a movie, any yeah. movie, and couldn't get into a movie and finally got into the thing. This mm-hmm. was like, he considers this his first movie. And um, he talked about like, you know, knowing at the time yeah, that the fact that he lives through the final frames of the movie was like a big deal that as the black co-star of the movie living through to the final frames was like significant. Yeah. Yeah, It was Um, like him and Russell. Like, and that's like a big deal. He also had a funny uh, thing to say about his performance in it where he was like, well, he was like, you know, uh, he was like, I'm a teacher. And one of the things that I teach is, um, uh, what did he call it? That it had actually had kind of a funny, very specific name. It was like American English uh, for persuasive speeches or mm. something like that. Uh, and he was like, you know, and I, he was like, I teach this class about like how to speak the English language like properly. He's like, and then I'm playing this character where like I have to say things, you know, I have to like use like slang, like motherfucker and stuff. And he's like, <laughs> I had I had nightmares that in my first movie. I would be having to, you know, deliver this dialogue and I would be delivering it like, you motherfuckers, like, you know, overly properly yeah. kind of, oh, which so is so funny. funny because then his career, he's such a good voice actor that over his career, he plays like all kinds of characters oh, yeah. that perform in such different ways. It's funny to me that he worried about that early in his career, that like his education would maybe like betray some of how people would want him to play certain characters or something, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I, like, this is one of those things, too, where I'm like, yes, I can hear his voice. And, like, so I would I'd be, like, watching something, and I would hear, like, a voice, and I'd be like, I know that voice. And then the first thing that clicked with me was like, oh, it's from The Thing. Yeah, And yeah. so I was like, oh, I know that because that is Keith David. And yeah, it's just, like, that, like, is the, the quintessential, like, point for me. Absolutely. Um, and he's got so many iconic lines in this movie, I does. think, too. Um also, apparently, uh, Ernie Hudson lost the role in this film to Keith David, which is wild and interesting because, like, Ernie Hudson is also, like, a genre film, like, actor that is, like, pretty well-known for certain roles. But, like, I could not picture him as this character necessarily. There's, like, something about David that, like, perfectly, like, goes toe-to-toe with Russell. And I'm like... it. Yeah, he just like pulls it off so well. Like he feels like like, you know, I don't I don't give a fuck that you're Kurt Russell. Like <laughs> his version of Childs is like calm and collected, yep. but definitely like boiling with kind of a rage underneath, mm-hmm. which is not my read on like Ernie Hudson, yes. right? Like yeah. I don't think Hudson like plays this character that way. Yeah, I agree. Um so one one uh, I have a couple notes here, but one Please. of them is that Keith David uh, wears gloves throughout the movie because he broke one of his hands in a car accident. Oh my and god! He had to cover it up with a cast. Um, Richard uh, Mauser and Keith David decided through rehearsals that as a as the two largest men in the camp, their characters would be antagonists to each other, which that is, is really so interesting. interesting. Yes, um, especially because isn't Mauser who plays the cop? I believe so. Right? And so yeah. he's who he ends up strapped to a bench next to towards yeah. the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Keith David was asked if he ever knew who at the very end of the movie was infected with the alien. He smiled and said, well, I don't know about Kurt Russell, but it sure as hell wasn't me. And everyone asked him this question in interviews. Like I've looked up so many of these interviews and everyone wants to know. And his line is always, it's not, it wasn't me. And I'm like, oh, that's like very funny to me. One of the interviews I watched with him, he was like, somebody recently pointed out to me that Kurt Russell, when he breathes, you see like the breath. Yeah. But through that whole final scene, I have no breath. Oh, that's interesting. He was like, uh, he was like, and I haven't talked to John in a long time. I'm going to be asking him about that next time <laughs> I see him. Um, he also said it was the coolest film, first movie that I could have ever thought I'd get to be in, with the exception of Kurt Russell, who grew up in the movies and TV. I was surrounded by theater actors: Richard Mazur, Richard. Uh, Dysart, Donald Moffat, Joel Paulus, and Peter Maloney, whom I knew from New York. Tommy Waits and I spent some time at Juilliard together. It was a phenomenal first experience. So it's interesting that he knew so many of these people like from theater. Yeah. Uh, and that movie does feel in a lot of ways like a theater production. For sure. It's, uh, a, it's practically a chamber piece, yes. right? It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah. You could so see it being performed on the stage. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Mauser is actually, he's the guy that uh, uh, cares for the dogs, Clark. Oh, yes, Clark. So, he's okay. the, so I, now I understand what he means. He's the other like really big guy mm-hmm. in camp. He's like, yeah. Yeah. Poor um, Clark. God, I, I, I love the thing so much. We don't have to spend too much time on it because I could just do like a whole hour on that movie. It's just um, so good. But it is like a remarkable kind of like first performance for him. And again, like yeah. he legitimately is practically, I mean, it's an ensemble movie, but he's practically the co-star of the movie. Yeah. And he doesn't even get to do that that much throughout his career. And so it's kind of remarkable to me that the first time, you know, he pops so You're big, like, what? On, you know, yeah, and then doesn't. But this movie also was not like it's success. That's the other Our thing generation too, like loves this... this movie, but this movie was not successful no. at the time. No, it like this was considered a flop. Yeah. And I it was like Kurt Russell, one of or not Kurt Russell. It was John Carpenter's like one of his like f- movies that he was really excited to do. And like people just like did not like yeah, it or I respond mean, his, to it in theaters. He, he like kind of goes into a scramble with his career following this movie. Yeah. 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 It's very interesting. Um, in 1986, uh, he does a film called The Whoopie Boys, which Whoopie is a Boys. comedy. And then he's in Platoon. Which, Which I've never wild. seen. Have you ever seen Platoon? Uh, I have not seen Platoon, I but it's just, got a crazy cast. I know. I'm just like not that into war movies. Me neither. Uh, I don't even know if I'm like really that into Oliver Stone. Yeah. Uh, so like, but I am into, I, I mean, Platoon is supposed to be one of the greats and that cast is like truly wild. Yes. You know, Charlie Sheen, Defoe, like a yeah. lot, a lot of interesting people in one movie together. Yeah. I kind of want to see it, especially... Now, having like really, really fallen in love with Keith David after doing this yeah. episode, I'm like, well, yeah, I do want to see because I like, I understand him to have like another like significant role in that movie. Yes, I, um, I think you're right. Um, in 1987, he was in a film called Hot Pursuit with John Cusack and Robert Loja, which is, seems to be another movie that's essentially John Cusack chasing after a girl to have sex. Yep. Which is just a thing that I he did. I believe that is literally <laughs> the Hot Pursuit that he is in. Yep. Um, I would like to see this movie. I tried to find it for us. I couldn't get my hands on this one. Oh, okay. Um, in 1986, he was in Braddock, Mission in Action 2. Mission uh, Action 3. Or 3, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is a Chuck Norris film. Uh, Braddock mounts a one-man assault to free his wife and son who are still being held in a Vietnam prison camp. So it says still being held, which makes me think, presumably, that's what the first two missing in actions are yeah, about, too. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. 
Um, he's then in a crime drama with William Defoe called Off Limits about military detectives who go to Vietnam to investigate a, pr- a prostitute's murder. Uh, they discover a pattern of killings and learn an earlier inquiry was called off by the army higher-ups. This sounded good to me. It does me. sound interesting. And him and Defoe in another Vietnam movie yeah, is kind of interesting. Very interesting. Um, I, this was another one that I, I w- would like to get our hands on at some point. Yeah. I think this sounds pretty interesting. Uh, he then did a film called Stars and Bars, which is a comedy with Harry Dean Stanton and Daniel Day-Lewis. I was going to say, I recognize this title because I know we've talked about it before. Yep. Harry Dean. Also, I can't imagine Daniel Day-Lewis in a comedy, but okay. <laughs> um, he is then in a movie called Bird, which was directed by Clint Eastwood. and oh, yes. stars Forrest Whitaker, which is about the life of jazz musician Charlie Bird Parker. Uh, I'm not like crazy about Clint Eastwood as a director, but yeah. um, Charlie Bird Parker is very interesting to me, and mm-hmm. I, I bet... I could see what it, that seems interesting to me. I, I think yeah. I would like to see that. Uh, and then he is in They Live, uh, which he works with Carpenter again, yeah. uh, which is kind of amazing. Uh, one of the notes I have is that Carpenter remembered Keith David's performance in the thing and wrote the role of Frank specifically for him. Yeah, the, which is dope. The interview I watched, he was like, I finally got to star in a movie, I got to star in the thing. And then I didn't get to star in a movie again for like, now it, he does do Platoon yeah. a couple years later, but like, he was like, it took like another four years before I like really got to be in another movie. It's insane to me that like people weren't like, oh, this, he is a movie star. Yeah. And, and it's really John Carpenter who goes like, no, you are like, I, I, I yeah. cause that is legitimately like the, the co-star yeah. leading, you know, the co-lead role in, yeah. in They Live is, is Keith David's character. And it's interesting because it's a uh, Roddy Ray Piper yep. and it, it uh, feels who's like... Who's a wrestler. Who's a wrestler. Uh, but it feels like uh, John Carpenter likes to have just, if he can't have Kurt Russell starring in his movie, it's like a Kurt Russell type. Totally. Because uh, they all feel like very similar, even though like Roddy Piper is like a total, like he's a big like wrestler. Yeah. Uh, but there's something the about him that feels as Russell yeah. in that era. It's very it, Russell. Yeah. I mean, it does feel like he's like the Russell replacement, but yeah. it's also like like fifty percent of the reason they live works is yeah. because it's Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah. Because he actually does have like his own distinct energy that's really interesting. Um this movie has a famous like six minute fight in an alleyway. Yes. Uh, it, it's five minutes and 20 seconds. I have it written down here because I remember the first time I watched this, like it's still the thing that is the most iconic to me is this fight because like Roddy Piper is like trying to be like, put on these glasses and you'll see like that, like we're being tricked. Like there is this like other like stuff going on and he just won't put on the glasses. And so that's what the whole fight is about. And they just start beating the shit out of each other. That's Uh, my favorite thing about (laughs) the scene. Like I always, I remember the scene. It's like, Oh, it's this long drawn out fist fight. And it's genuinely like really fun and cinematic. It's just crazy how long, it is the longer you watch it you're like i can't believe this is still going on i know and but it's i always forget that the fight is not about the fight is literally about you should put these on it's it's not like take them off it's not it's none of what you expect it's you should wear these well and so the note i have here is that piper and david decide so it was only supposed to be 20 seconds but piper and david decided to fight it out for real only faking the hits to the face and groin they rehearsed the fight for three weeks carpenter was so impressed he kept the scene intact with its full runtime that's incredible fucking wild yeah and uh i mean that is one of the most fun things about it is you can tell it's actually these two actors and that uh you know piper uh, being a wrestler 
was good at training David to mm. throw and take fake punches and fake knees. Yeah. And so they're just, they're literally doing like WWF wrestling moves on each other, basically. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. It's so wild. Uh, also, They Live is a fucking great movie. It's really great. Um, it's a this... movie that only gets more interesting the deeper yeah. we get into a sort of like post Reagan society. <sighs> it's like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is a really, really great movie. Actually, uh, David said an interesting thing in that interview where he was like, it could be the sequel to The Thing. Mm. He was like, you could imagine that The Thing replicated into these other things and that mm. that's what he, you know, that's, that's what Rowdy is discovering and seeing. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's kind of interesting to connect huh. those two movies like that. Very interesting. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Uh, Love this movie. Yeah, it's it's really good. I, this is one oh. that I don't always think about all the time, but then I'm like, oh, yes, this is also a very good Carpenter because, like, The Thing and Halloween and, like, these other ones always are, like, the ones that I go to. And then yeah. I'm like, fuck, this is also really good, this though. This one's also great. Uh, one other thing he said that was very interesting about this movie that I wanted to bring up was he was like, um, when Carpenter wrote the role for me, he was like, I was really appreciative that he gave me the script literally to be like, I just want to make sure this isn't like I'm not like stereotyping this character too much. Like, oh wow, uh, I I want you to read it because I want you to play it, but I also want you to tell me like what I need to change yeah. and adjust so that it. I mean, it's it is an interesting movie too because the two protagonists are essentially like uh, like homeless. They're working homeless men. He he yeah. talked about that. That was a lot of the appeal of it to him. It wasn't just that like John came to him and wrote him a role and stuff. Yeah. He was like. I've worked, he was like, I've spent a lot of my life working with homeless people and yeah. trying to fight this problem because he was like, it, it's more common a problem and easier for people to fall into than anyone in America wants to admit. Yeah. One, he, he literally brings up the example. He just goes, one bad medical experience and oh, that's God. it. He yeah. was like, that's you too. Uh, he was like, so the idea of, of the working homeless who, mm. they have jobs, they just, they they're sending money home to their families. They don't have a home to live in. They're living in hotels, living yeah. in camps. Uh, he was like, that was very appealing to me to to depict those characters as heroes yeah. in, in a movie. Yeah, it's pretty Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, in 1989, he is in a film called Always, which was directed by Steven Spielberg, which I've never heard of, but stars fucking Audrey Hepburn, yep. Holly Hunter, Richard Dreyfuss, and John Goodman. I believe I've seen this movie. I think this was what I got. I did a big Spielberg kick when I was like in high school and I feel like I watched this at that point and I remember nothing about it. It's about the spirit of a recently deceased uh, pilot who mentors a newer pilot while watching him fall in love with the girlfriend that he left behind. Yeah, I've definitely seen this fucking movie. Fucking weird as shit. I thought that's what it was. Yeah, it's like a very strange kind of like almost time travel story, but like yeah. not really. It's like, yeah, it's very it's weird. Odd. Uh, and then in 1989, he was in Roadhouse. One of our faves. Which is one of our faves. And But we were both like, I barely remember him in this movie. And it's because like all of his stuff essentially he, got cut like out. He's like almost completely cut out of this movie. Yeah. There was actually a lot of scenes between him and Dalton, who is uh, Patrick Swayze's character. Mm -hmm. um, according to the director's commentary, some of the other sequences which got cut between, because the movie was too long, were the fight with where Keith David is introduced in which he arrives at the double deuce with his girlfriend and gets into a fight with some rednecks and then Dalton hires him to work as a bartender. Um and he has this note about Roadhouse. He said, Roadhouse was great. Roadhouse got me into my new car, and it moved me into a new apartment. It was a four-week job that turned into 11 weeks. I had a great role. I got to fight with Terry Funk and a couple of other guys. I had a really good time. The day after the rap party, the director, Rowdy Harrington, called me. He said, Keith, I've got three and a half hours of movie that I've got to cut down to two, two hours and 15 minutes. So I'm sorry, buddy, but you've got to go. 
it's so fucking unfortunate because I love Roadhouse, and I can only imagine I would love Roadhouse more with Keith David. I I am no fan of the release the so-and-so cut of things, but I would 1 million percent watch the three-and-a-half-hour Roadhouse. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Do we own Roadhouse? If not, we should. No, we definitely should. Uh, But two, I wonder if there are, like, deleted scenes from this that we can find. Oh, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, Uh, Because I would like to maybe try to find some more Because I really don't remember him in it. It sounds like he's playing a bartender. He must be. I think I remember when we watched it being like, oh, this is weird. I know him. And then I was like, that is Keith David. But, like, he really is, like, in it for, like, a a, a second. And you're like, what the, like, why was this guy so underutilized? And then you find out why. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so shame that we can't talk about Roadhouse more, but we'll God, get there eventually one day. Which also, like, let's let's rewatch Roadhouse. Yes. It's so good. Uh, then we get to his films in the '90s. Uh, so actually, he did. He started doing a lot of uh, TV at this point and doing some animated stuff, including the Aladdin TV series, uh, Tard McFarlane Spawn that you mentioned. He was yep. in the Timon and Pumbaa TV show. He was also in Gargoyles, uh, which. Uh, he apparently loved working in. Yeah. Uh, but I watched a clip from Gargoyles today, and he ha- has this moment of just like amazing acting where um, his character is trying to like kill these guys that like killed a bunch of his fellow gargoyles uh-huh. and they accidentally fall to their death. And he says, I've been denied everything, even my revenge. And he just <laughs> screams it. And it's so funny. Yeah. And I was just like, damn, this is a kid's show. He's awesome. <laughs> He's uh, also like great at wielding his voice. He is. Uh, yeah. That was something I paid attention to a lot. As he I was can do like some... the whisper. He yeah. can do the yelling. Like he's, yeah, he does that thing. I can't remember what, it was. It was another animated thing. It, it might have been one of his roles in um, Adventure Time. I was like watching a clip, but he does that thing where like he just elongates yeah. every vowel, yeah. and it is like so menacing coming from his. Yeah, and voice. he does like, like sometimes like uses a really interesting like inflection, yeah. like depending and like it just always works. Like yeah. whatever I'm. He's watching. a tremendous voice actor. Um, so in 1990, he was in the film Men at Work with Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen. About- directed by Emilio. Oh, he directed. He directed it. this That's movie. Wild. Yeah, I saw this movie on TV when I was a kid. I like kind of vaguely remember this movie. It's about two garbage men who uncover a conspiracy involving illegal toxic waste dumping and decide to bring the whole operation down. Yeah, it's so funny. Uh, I don't remember really anything about this movie. I just remember I, you know, loved the Mighty Ducks growing up, mm-hmm. and then on TV was this movie with Gordon Bombay. Bay and this Charlie Sheen guy who I like, never oh, heard I of watch turned out to be the actor's brother. Did you uh, see the scene where uh, they try to steal his fries and he like flips out? Yes. It's so funny. Yeah, he says something like there's a bunch of rules in life and one of them is to never steal another man's fries or yeah. something like that. It's perfect. Um, yeah, he seems to have like a pretty significant role in it. I would, I kind of want to watch this. It's, it's I, My memory is it's kind of like a stoner comedy from the mm-hmm. 90s, uh, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and then he is in the film Marked for Death, uh, which is a Steven Seagal movie. So we watched that we it. watched because <laughs> uh, I have not seen many Steven Seagal movies. I but think I underst- this was my first. I understand him to be one of the world's ultimate weirdos. Yeah, I mean, I was like, oh, I don't know if he's like a. There are so many of these like action stars that I've like grown into and really liked over time, but 
he's never one that I felt the need to like watch anything of. And I don't and think then, you're going to grow to love him the way you do. No, I, I, although I did find things to enjoy about this movie, I think he repulses me, <laughs> uh, which only was worse when the movie first fucking started and Garrett was just like, Oh, he looks like a Belushi. <laughs> and then I couldn't not see a Belushi. It doesn't even look like, it's not like, oh, he looks like an athletic Belushi. Or like, oh, he looks like a bodybuilder Although Belushi. Although he does wear insanely tight black oh, yes. jeans all the time. All the time. Uh, he just looks like a Belushi. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah like I couldn't stop thinking about that Belushi. either. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't stop thinking about that either. I was like, this guy should have shades on and be like driving around talking about blues. Yeah. Uh, so this was interesting. There's like a lot of like gore and yeah. like fighting and like fun stuff in it. Um, Keith David does get to kind of be like the side character. Like he is like uh, Steven Seagal's character's like friend from the war, yeah. and they decide to like take down this like uh, drug cartel that's yeah. like you know involved in their neighborhood and uh i think like keith david said like his, like his nephew, nephew died or, so, or yeah like or because something? of the drugs yeah. and stuff so and it's a lot of like you know seagal is like oh, it's not my problem man it's not my problem and, mm-hmm. you know keith having to be like i mean it's like literally destroying our neighborhoods like yeah. you, you should and need to care yeah, about like, this why don't you care and then because he's steven seagal and like one of the whitest people to ever white people it's not until like one of his own family members i think yes. dies that he's yep. like now i do care and i'm involved yeah also we never fi- th- we don't even know if they die uh that family member is in the hospital in like critical care and they never come back oh, around right. to let us that. know that that family member is okay that's right i forgot because they're just like yeah fuck it it doesn't matter because at that point everyone's marked for death also, I wish I could say that this movie was vaguely racist, right. uh, but it might just be like fully like specifically fucking racist. racist. And although I think Keith David is really good and gets yeah. a good role in this, it also feels like because the cartel they're going after is like um, a group of like Jamaican men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of feels like Keith David is there to be like, oh, it's okay that we're killing like these other like black people See, we don't hate black people we've got one we like yeah like he he like is the person that gives the reason for like why they're what they're doing right, is they okay put those words in his mouth yeah, yeah which it, at first i was like oh that doesn't sit great this happens to him throughout his career yeah. a lot and i i couldn't find anywhere where he talked about this phenomenon mm. in his movies but like uh, we will get to it in the second half, but he's in that movie Crash. Are you familiar with Crash? Uh, not I have Cronenberg's not seen Crash, it. The other Crash. B- yeah. Um, yeah. He 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 plays a a cop that like we'll talk about it in that episode. He has a couple of times in his career had to play yeah. the black guy that seems to only exist to like uh, allow the movie to get away with other moral quandaries. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but he he is fun. He like does get to do like a lot of crazy action stuff yeah. with Seagal, and it's it's cool. Like it's a good role for him. But, oh yeah. Uh, I wish I liked this movie more. Yeah. It was you know it was fine. Yeah, there's just a lot of like stuff that doesn't sit great. Yeah. Uh, it was yeah. cool when it got like like wildly violent. Like yes. every once in a while it would get like crazy violent. Yeah, when it was just like in the action scenes, yeah. you're like, oh, this is like yeah. really entertaining. And you know, Seagal can throw a kick. Like he's, you know, <laughs> yeah. or at a time could. There's I actually yeah. need to show you some very funny videos of him at like recent tournaments mm-hmm. where it's very clear that like the people quote unquote fighting him yeah. are just throwing themselves around to make an old man feel like he can still fight. Okay. It's pretty funny. 
1992, he was in the film Final Analysis, which has Kim Basinger, Richard Gere, and Uma Thurman. And then in uh, the same year, he's in a film called Article 99 with Ray Liotta and Kiefer Sutherland. This movie's got a killer poster. It's about uh, a team of compassionate doctors at a veteran's hospital, <laughs> uh, and they're fighting to deliver adequate care to the needy veterans in the face of funding cuts and corruption. I mean, this genuinely sounds like it's like a, you know, a quote-unquote like message movie about like, yeah. something important that's going on. But like, For sure. the cover of the movie looks like a buddy comedy. Like, they've all got these crazy mustaches. and like I Like, I... And the way that's written, that description is yeah. written, is like there's like an inherently silly tone that's going on. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, he then uh, does a TV movie called Nails with Dennis Hopper. Uh, in 1993, he's in another TV movie called The Last Outlaw, which stars Mickey Rourke, Dermot Mulroney, Ted Le- Levine, uh, Ton C. McGinley, and Steve Buscemi. Man, John C. McGinley has popped up so much throughout yeah, the stuff that we've been like, doing. Like, turns out he actually yeah. is a, one a killer of, or, bee. A killer bee, yeah. yeah. Uh, he then does a TV movie uh, starring Oprah Winfrey called There Are No Children Here. What? And in 1994, does Reality Bites, which I've never seen, so I don't, and I think he has, like, a pretty small role in it, but it is, like, a movie I was like, oh, weird, Keith Davids of this, okay. Yeah, I mean, this is, like, a big Gen X movie, and it's one that I caught up with at some point when I was in college, and definitely thought was, like, good, but was not yeah. in love with. I, I think um, I, I maybe missed the boat on this one a little bit. I might be, like, a few years too young for this to have, like, really hit me, you yeah. know? Um, uh, but, yeah, this is, like, Ben Stiller and... Um, uh, what the heck's her name? Winona Ryder, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, th- th- um, <sighs> I'm not gonna remember his name. So stupid. Um, this is a really interesting cast. Yeah, uh, and I-, I remember it being like pretty good. Uh, and then the same year, he does a movie called The Puppet Masters. Uh-huh. Has nothing to do with Puppet Master. Correct. Uh, this is a sci-fi movie that stars Donald Sutherland and is like a weird amalgamation of like The Thing, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and Alien. Yeah. Uh, which is funny because it has stars from all three of those movies. Yes, it has Yafikoto's in this Yafikoto, movie. Donald Sutherland, and Keith David. Yep, like yep. it's very strange that it is making references to all of these like really good sci-fi films, and also just like yep, and and then not we're gonna have you guys in it as good as any one of those movies. Yeah, I mean, I probably liked this movie more than I expected to. Okay, that's uh, fair. I. I love Donald Sutherland, uh, and it's it does a good job of like being one of these like crazy like alien invasion like body snatchery kind of movies. Yeah. Um, it it's not like the best, but like I had I think we had fun watching it. Yeah. Um, and can... Keith David, I, like again, gets like a pretty decent role. Like he's yeah. this is a pretty big like ensemble cast, I yes. think. Um, but he does get to like be uh, you know, one of like the action heroes at the end, like kind of in like the the big fight scenes and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, um, uh, big yawn. Sorry. Um, yeah, and it's also um. It's, like, really well-paced, I thought. Mm-hmm. Like, this movie moves really quick. Like, it starts yeah. immediately and then moves, mm-hmm. like, really quickly through all of its escalations. It drags at the end, but it... But that's because... That was the other thing I was going to say about it. This movie feels like it was cheaper than any one of those movies that yeah, we just referenced. that's probably true. Especially that finale feels like they basically ran out of money but yeah. needed to move into, like, 
this is the finale set piece. We need like these big sets and yeah. this, it needs to like really feel like we did something big, but it feels like they have no money to do that. And so it's these like yeah. kind of static, like uninteresting environments and stuff. It, yeah. It also felt like they uh, kept like trying to figure out if they were going to let it have a bummer ending or not. Cause yeah, like yeah. all of these body snatcher movies have bummer yeah, endings. Yeah. And then we're finally like, nah, we're going to give it a happy ending. And you're like, Oh, okay, okay, sure. They're just like, yeah, we, we figured it out. There are no more aliens. I think Donald Sutherland like is like, that was the last one when they kill it. And then they're like, how do you know? And he's like, Oh, I just know. And they're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and that's like how the movie ends. Do they not kind of imply that he might be one echoing the, uh, the ending of Body Snatchers. I thought I remember that, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, they do, but then that c- culminates into like him, like take like that's like the final scene. Oh, right. And then they fucking just throw it out the back of a helicopter. Yeah, and it, it gets all gets resolved up, right? again. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you think like that's, uh, right. that's. I thought it was gonna end that way, yeah, where yeah. you're like, oh, weird. You're but right, no, yeah. it's like, no, we're gonna come back around, wrap this up, that and then it's really gonna a have a happy thing ending to do. That I genuinely I forgot. I thought it ended with the more interesting ending. Yes, that's no, so funny. My it, brain was it like, it was more interesting than that, wasn't it? Nope. Um, he then does the movie The Quick and the Dead, which is directed by Sam Raimi. It's like a um, a western. I almost said a southern film. And I was <laughs> a like, southern. That's not right. It's a western. Uh, it's a western, uh, which is not my thing. But this uh, had also a pretty cool cast to it. This movie rocks. Yeah. Uh, it has an amazing cast. Uh, it stars Sharon Stone. Yes, who uh, I love. A very young Leonardo DiCaprio. Russell Crowe, Gene Hackman. Uh, yeah, Russell Crowe, Gene Hackman. Uh, it's a wild Lance cast. Lance Henriksen is also in this yes, movie. Yes. Gary Sinise. Yep. It's like, yeah, pretty it, it wild. It is a star-studded movie. It's very much a Western directed by Sam Raimi. It's got tons of Sam Raimi-isms throughout mm-hmm. it. It's the reason I think you could possibly enjoy this movie. Probably. It is not as slow as you're imagining. Mm-hmm. It is... Like a cocaine-fueled Western directed by Sam Raimi. I feel like like a 90s Western with that cast and that director. I'm like, okay. It's pretty fast-paced and funny and weird and interesting. Um, I do not remember Keith David in it, and I tried looking up some scenes from it today to try and like and remind myself any. like what, and I couldn't find any. Yeah, I had um, trouble with that, too. Cause, like, so it's I like think he... he might have another small role. It's a big yeah. ensemble cast. Um, in 1995, he does a film called Blue in the Face with Harvey Keitel, Lou Reed, and Jim Jarmusch. Uh, oh. It sounds like a hangout movie, essentially, yeah. that centers around a Brooklyn cigar store. Um, I bet I would like that. Yeah. Uh, he then does Gargoyles the Movie, uh, which uh-huh. was a straight-to-video film. Uh, there's a quote from him that says, but Gargoyles, bar none, is the most fun I've ever had in life. <laughs> And then goes on to talk about, like, just the importance of gargoyles. He says, you get to celebrate the content of someone's character as opposed to the color of their skin or their outward appearance. That, to me, is the most impressive element about gargoyles because it forces you to deal with who they are, not what they look like or anything external. You're dealing with internal principles about these people. It's he loves gargoyles. Like I kept going through interviews and he like, this is what he wants to talk about <laughs> is like working on gargoyles, which is really hilarious. That's to adorable me. and awesome. Cause like, I remember it when I was a kid oh, yeah, me too. and I, watched that I show. liked it, but I was like, but like, he's like, no, this is like, this was my shit. That's really interesting. Cause he, uh, a different interview I found with him. He was just kind of talking about his career and he was talking about how like, Oh yeah. The thing that's interesting to me about acting is like, you have to give these people life. They are people. 
and people are not just bad or just good. Good people do bad things, bad people do yeah. good things. And so if I'm playing a villain or a hero, whatever, like I'm trying to like bring life to a person on screen. Mm-hmm. So it's very funny that he's like, yeah, that's what I like so much about Gargoyles. Gargoyles is having to, it's only the bringing yep. life to a character part of things. Like yep. that's all it is. It's, it's wild. Yeah. He then does the film Dead Presidents. I feel like I saw that when I was younger. Yeah, it like sounds like it's weird. It didn't look familiar, but it sounds familiar. Yeah, it's like a crime movie. I think. Yeah, he then does Clockers uh, with Spike, which was directed by Spike Lee and also stars Harvey Keitel again. So they worked together a couple times. Again, as we find out with every Spike Lee movie, it's always what we want to seek out and watch for these episodes, and they're never available anywhere. I know. Uh, and then in 1996, he does the film Eye for an Eye with Sally Fields, Kiefer Sutherland, and Ed Harris. Uh, when the court fails to keep uh, a man behind bars who raped and murdered her daughter, a woman seeks her own form of justice. Yeah, uh, this one sounded like something that uh, might actually be something you would be interested yeah. in. I wasn't really sure if that fit quite into your project or not, but I, I almost sought it out mm, for us because it felt adjacent. Yeah. Um, he's then in the film The Grave with Craig Schiffer, and Gabrielle Anwar, who are both from the film Killer Buzz, which we did for our Rucker Hauer episode. It's our intro, baby. Uh, so very, very funny uh, that yeah. they keep popping up. I mean, Craig Schiffer is another just like basically honorary de facto killer B at this point because he has popped up on almost every episode yeah. of our show. Like we are like soon to be like contractually obligated to do an episode. I, of I him. almost made us watch this movie just so I could be like, hey, we watched another Craig Schiffer movie for the show. <laughs> I know. Uh, which like it wasn't that interesting to me. It's about like two brothers who escape from prison and try to find a treasure. And I was like, yeah. Buried with a dead millionaire? Yeah, but what like, a hook. I don't I don't know. <laughs> Uh, he uh, Keith David then does a film called Johns, which stars David Arquette and Luke Haas about male sex workers in L.A. I watched a trailer for this, and it looked very interesting yeah. to me, most especially because, like, I-, I don't know why, but I was just like, whoa, I did not know, like, David Arquette did, like... Yeah, it seems so- like an indie film. Yeah, and, like, a, like a seemingly, like, pretty serious, like... Yeah you know, revealing document about uh, uh, still a sector of work that, like, we pay no respect to, yeah, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I uh, I actually am interested in this movie. Yeah. Um, he then does the film Larger Than Life, which stars Bill Murray and Matthew McConaughey Better about believe- a... I rented this VHS when I was a child, many times. Uh, it's about a motivational speaker who discovers that the inheritance his father left for him is in the form of an elephant. Yep. You, so that was your your go to as a kid. I just watched a lot of Bill Murray movies growing up, yeah. and uh, I definitely rented this a few times. My sister Nella always wanted to get Flubber, and we were like, "We're not fucking watching Flubber." I wanted to see Flubber in the theater, my friend. <laughs> Good movie. Uh, I mean, I I yeah, I I understand, but <laughs> loved Robin Williams. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just funny the uh, the movies that you got at the uh, at Blockbuster like all the time, yep. you know. Yep. Yeah, um, I don't remember if Larger Than Life is good. I just remember it has an <laughs> elephant and Bill Murray in it. it yeah, it sounds interesting. Uh, in 1997, um, he does Hercules. Uh, he plays Apollo the Sun God. Yeah, this is the uh, the Disney animated one, yes, right? which yeah. I love this. I've seen it like a bunch of times. Uh, yep. He's perfect for Apollo. Uh, his uh, I really love the design of all the gods in this movie. Yeah, I yeah. love how everyone looks, which is one of the reasons why I love it so much. But uh, Apollo's design is like very very cool, and uh, kind of I kind of want to watch it just because like yeah. I like this one. Um, 
I rewatched this one like a few years ago, actually, because uh, my friend's daughter, Penny, she was like two or three at the time. Oh, and this yeah. was like one of her. She loved this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it very much like the designs were a lot of what like she specifically like responded yeah. to. Um, and this one held up, I thought, pretty well. Like yeah. rewatching it as an adult. It's got good songs. It's pretty funny. Songs rock. Really like the animation in this one. Yeah. yeah. Um, he then does the movie Volcano starring Tommy Lee Jones, which we thought about watching. <laughs> this is a, a cra- this is another one of these actors that is crazy to me how many of their movies I've actually seen. Volcano yeah. is another movie I've seen. I saw this at a so sleepover weird. birthday party when I was, you know, 12 or something. Yeah. I don't really remember Volcano. I watched a scene from this today. He plays, I think, like, uh, a, a f- like someone in the fire department, mm-hmm. like high up the chain in the fire department okay. who, like, kind of starts working with Tommy Lee Jones to try and figure out how to contain this lava that is basically yeah. flowing from this volcano. I really want to just know why there's a volcano in the middle of Los Angeles, but... I can't remember the explanation. I feel like the, the explanation gives. won't be satisfying to me. I will say the scene that I watched had some really crazy, like, special effects where I was like, oh, I didn't remember that this movie was, like, really going for it, trying to, like, actually show, like, lava flowing through the streets of mm. Los Angeles, you know? Uh, and so... Kind of maybe worth watching for you and I, just because okay. we tend to like some of those like weird, like cheapo special effects things. Yeah. Um, he then does the English dubs for Princess Monaco, which I thought was kind of interesting. Oh, Princess Mononoke for the um, the the uh, what is that? A Ghibli movie, right? Mm-hmm. A Studio Ghibli movie. Yep. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, he is then in Murder She Wrote, South by Southwest. Genuinely yes, tried to find this. A movie. Murder She Wrote movie. We talk about people being in TV shows all the time, and he is in a Murder She Wrote movie. I genuinely Amazing. tried to find this for us because I was like, if I can find the Murder She Wrote movie, <laughs> we that would he's have in, to watch it. We would have to watch yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, he then does Tart McFarlane's Spawn, uh, playing Spawn, which is really great. Yeah, he. I, I think the uh, like comic book fandom is yeah. huge on this show. I've never seen it. Yeah, uh, it was like a very popular comic in the '90s. It was a big deal that it got this like big HBO adaptation. Well, I've seen like the live action Spawn. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But not the anime, and I didn't know that there were this many of them. Yeah, yeah, and and in fact, I think they ultimately like recut some of the uh, cartoon to be like movies that they released at yeah, some point. Yeah, that's what this is. These yeah, are okay, all movies. Got you. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, I think they basically like re-edited the cartoon series into movies. Um, in 1998, he does the Tiger Woods story, playing Tiger Woods' father. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, and then he's in the film Armageddon. Yeah, he's another like, crazy ensemble cast. And yeah, he's like a general in this movie. Mm. He actually has some really funny dialogue. He is the character that in the movie is like. What the fuck are you doing? You're sending oil riggers to like blow up an asteroid? Like, why the fuck would you do that? I've never seen this movie. Oh, uh, Armageddon's a weird, crazy movie. Yeah. Where the plot is literally an asteroid's going to hit Earth. We need to detonate a bomb on the asteroid. It needs to be drilled very far into the center of the asteroid in order to explode properly. The only possible people that we could send to space to do this are not the astronauts that we've spent so much tax money training it's oil riggers we need to train oil riggers to be astronauts not astronauts to be oil riggers which makes so much sense sure yeah he's the character in the movie that literally calls that out out loud he's like what the hell are we doing i'm glad he gets to be that person that's a fun person to be yes yes he's he's good in the movie he's really fun and funny in it um he's also in there's something about mary playing mary's dad (laughs) which i watched one of the scenes he's in which is like the iconic scene where ben stiller has his like zips his dick up into his own pants and he's just stuck in the bathroom and keith david is 
so fucking funny in the scene, but I like forgot because it's really awkward. Like that more, more and more people just coming into the bathroom, yes. like as he's there. But like after Keith David, he like brings his wife in, and he's like, "No, no, like this is embarrassing." And he goes, "No, it's fine. She's a nurse." He he goes, "She's a dental hygienist. She'll understand." Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. It's such a good line. You're just like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> he has this great delivery where he, you know. Uh, Ben Stiller's trying to explain what happened. He says something like, oh, you, you got your uh, your franken beans wrapped up in there? And then when he finally gets to see it, he has this horrified <laughs> look on his face. He goes, how'd you get your beans over top of your frank? <laughs> oh, man. I think this is kind of a dumb movie. but It's a very dumb movie. I, he, is he is very, very funny. funny in this scene. This is like a great example of it. He's just like always good. Yes. He's like, he can be funny. He can yes. be like really like, he can be like serious in these roles, but he's just like always got a good presence. He, I mean, the uh, this is only the first half of his career, right? That we mm-hmm. got to talk about here, yeah. and he does so many different kinds of roles throughout yeah. these movies. Like he does horror and comedy and science fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he tends to play these one scene care, but actually, this first half of his career is where he actually does get to do a little more meaty work, getting yeah. some co-starring roles a lot of ensemble stuff but a couple different co-starring roles like and another guy where it's just like jesus christ he was in so many movies that i I watched growing up uh yeah and then the last two things i have is he is in uh spawn two and three so yes these are all the the movie versions of spawn yeah yeah and uh you know spawn is unique in the comic book world for being a you know a black character Mm um i think i think Michael Jai White plays him in the movie, actually, um, mm. and uh, and so you know it it is like awesome that he kind of got to be that that prominent like black comic book character. Well, it's interesting too. Like we'll get into this more in like the next half, uh, but he also just gets to play a lot of iconic roles that are like like you know in- essential in like our society today yeah uh that like you know he gets to be spawn even though like we don't necessarily always think about like the spawn cartoons and stuff like he gets to do a lot of these like very cool roles in animation yeah uh it's weird to me that it's like not shit that was offered like to him just as an actor who has like you know a great screen presence right. and stuff but like it, it is interesting that like when he moves to doing just more and more animation stuff he gets to do all of these like really interesting roles and play like iconic characters yeah it's like uh why couldn't he have been martian manhunter in an actual like live action movie <laughs> give me that yeah yeah, yeah. 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 uh yeah, but yeah, that'll uh, be interesting to talk about. Yeah, on the next episode. Exactly. Yeah. So we we are at the end of the uh, the the first part here. So um, I guess we'll we can wrap. Yeah, we'll wrap it up. Um, you know, find us everywhere on the internet at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast. Everywhere online. Um, find us on MovieJohn.com or part of their podcast network. It's mm-hmm. Philadelphia John. Uh, and you can find me everywhere at Philadelphia. That's with an F. Uh, look me up on Letterboxd. Follow me there, please. Yes, and you can do the same for me. I'm Victoria Potenza on the things. So Yeah, and, uh, you know, interact with us on Twitter. Tori runs our Twitter account. has been having a lot of fun over there. Making mm-hmm. waves in the horror community. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I guess that's it, right? Sweet, yeah. Buzz, buzz. Buzz. <laughs>